Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hey, Corazon. Hey, Bola. So three times is a charm and we are going to get this recording. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. Thanks for having me. We've been having technical issues, but we're going to make it work out. So yeah, I'm excited to have you here to talk about your incredible debt payoff story. You and your husband paid off over $150,000 in just three years. And I can't wait to get into the gist of how you guys did this. But before we get into your story, please tell us who you are and what you do. Hey guys, I'm Corazon and I own Corazon and Kini, which is a personal finance business where I help working professionals transform their finances and master their money. Awesome. So I'd love to start out by having you tell us what your total debt was. So I said about $150,000, but so we know that, but what types of debt did you have? Yes. So we had my husband and I in total $150,000 of debt. Myself personally, I had a car loan that I paid off prior to getting married. So that's not part of the 150. When we got married, we made the, the intentional decision to work towards our finances together. And my husband had about $8,000 of a car note left. He also had about $12,000 in student loans. He was really fortunate. He was a student athlete and was able to get scholarship. And then I had the majority of the debt, which was my student loan debt, which was $131,000. And was that just undergrad or what made up that student loan debt? (laughs) Yes. So we all know college is expensive in America. So that was my undergraduate and my master's degree. I have an undergraduate degree in life science and my master's is in public health. And I went to a private institution for my master's costing that much more money. (laughs) I don't know if I would have done it that way if I knew better at the time, (laughs) but that's what got me to where I am today professionally. And then that's how much debt I ended up accumulating over time. Well, that is six figures of student loans. That is a lot of money, but you paid it off in in three years, which is (laughs) crazy. So let's talk about that. And one of the things you mentioned earlier before recording was that, you know, personal finance was not something that was a cornerstone of how you were raised. So what was your upbringing around money? And do you think that the way you were raised about money contributed to where you are today in terms of wanting to pay off your debt or even when you were taking on that amount of debt going through school? 
Yeah. So I'm a very observant person. And sometimes when I watch things, I realize some of the things that I don't want in my life. So I take away (laughs) positives and negatives in order to decipher what it is that I, I want my life to look like. So I was born in Kenya. I'm sorry, I'm an immigrant and migrated to the United States when I was very young. And because of that, my parents didn't have this foundational upbringing of the United States and really truly understanding how the systems work and operate in America. So I think Mm -hmm. that that was a little bit of a disadvantage for them and not having that foundation. And so I think because of that, decisions were made that I think if they knew better, they would have done better type of thing. And so being immigrants and migrating to the United States, I think that my parents They made some financial decisions and operated with the knowledge they knew at the time, which was very limited. And on top of that, actually, they also, I watched them contribute a lot. You know, I think there's a certain level of pressure being an immigrant Mm -hmm. in the United States and being kind of like the one that made it to contribute a lot of money back home. And even though you don't have your foundation set up, right? Even though you might be struggling. And so I watched my parents struggle and I felt like money was always this item that there was never seemed to be enough of. And at the same time, also watching it being given away without having like proper, you know, established, you know, systems or enough of it. And so I was very cognizant of that. I think just even growing up, I I went to a, it's funny, when my husband and I were doing premarital counseling, the counselor told me I had money trauma. And that was the first time anyone had ever said anything like that to me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? But, you know, it's so true because we operate based off of our learnings and our experiences. And I realized that I operated in that way and in that fashion, which for me, it was kind of scarcity. Like Mm -hmm. I, I had a scarcity mindset, I think, because of my upbringing and that kind of like lack thereof sometimes. So I definitely think that, you know, my parents did the best that they could with the knowledge that they had, but they didn't instill personal finances into my life to an extensive level because they just didn't know. The reason why I asked that question is because, you know, there was no rule or line in the sand that said that you had to pay off all this debt in three years and you took it upon (laughs) yourself to do that. And this is something that a lot of guests, women who come on the podcast, you know, they're coming to share stories of, of how they did something outside of the norm. There was nothing that said you could not pay this debt as long as you wanted to pay it off 10 years, 20 years, whatever, right? Based on, you know, your loan profile, et cetera. But I'm just curious to know how a bringing ties into your decision to pay or the approach that you took to paying off. And I totally understand, you know, the immigrant journey as an immigrant myself, child of immigrants also, and, you know, not having, it's come sort of that of that space where even though you don't have enough, you Mm -hmm. still are sending money back to others because you feel like you're in a better position than them, even though you don't quite have it altogether. And it's also that, especially from the African background, it's that you carry your whole family, right? You don't succeed alone. Your family succeeds with you. It's a taboo if you are off doing amazing and your family is struggling. It's it's unheard of. Right. (laughs) Almost, right? That's the mindset that we have culturally across the continent, all the countries in Africa. So thank you for sharing that. 
Yeah, no, because it's real life. And I think there are so many immigrants living in America, right? And I think that a lot a lot of us have, share similar stories. Mm-hmm. You know, when we break it down at the end of the day, we have a lot of shared experiences. So I think it's really important to talk about this. And I run into like clients and people that, you know, will say to me and just discuss the different types of pressures and, you know, sometimes just establishing boundaries as well, right? Because that's a discussion to be had when it comes to personal finance. It's not only just boundaries within yourself, sometimes it's boundaries with other people. Yeah. So take us back to that moment where you decided that, you know what, we're going to pay off this $150,000 in debt. That was an interesting conversation, as you could probably imagine. Like I said, there's like complete disparity in how much debt that my husband and I had. And at that time, I was doing the loan forgiveness program. Mm -hmm. And so, because I worked in the nonprofit field and so, and I was content with that to begin with. I mean, and even just go back before that, I honestly was not intentionally paying my student loans. Like I literally was avoiding it like the plague. And I just, you know, when I did decide that I was going to start working towards it, it was actually when there was news coming out about less than 5% of people were approved for the student loan forgiveness program. And that just kind of hit me because it was that moment of realization that at that point, honestly, I think about, it's about 30,000 that had accrued over time, just in interest alone. And the fact fact that I could sit there and spend this some amount of time working towards this program, it could potentially not even be approved while my debt would continue to accumulate because of the interest over time was not sitting well with me. And on top of that, if you think about it, you're literally not even helping yourself because what I was doing was paying the minimum that I had to pay. And therefore I wasn't even touching any of the principal for the most part. And so like, I'm literally paying somebody else. Like I am establishing their business, right? (laughs) Because of me, I'm the cornerstone of their business because I'm literally just paying the interest and I'm not even helping myself. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting is that, you know, you are paying the minimum, assuming that based on your job and nonprofit, you would qualify for the debt forgiveness. But what's interesting about that, it's almost like a catch-22 because you put yourself on a debt forgiveness path. And as a result, you're not paying as much because you're hoping your debt is forgiven, you have to stay within whatever requirements to qualify, right? Within certain job, right? So if you decide yes. to become an entrepreneur and increase your income significantly, then you are unqualified. And right. during, during that time, the interest is accumulating, it's capitalizing and your debt is growing. And so life happens and then maybe you no longer qualify for debt forgiveness and then you have this massive amount of debt. So it's almost like, do you limit yourself for the pursuit of debt forgiveness? <laughs> Or do you decide like you did to take on that debt and try to get rid of it now before the interest accumulation goes crazy? And like you said, you had accumulated 30,000. And it's not to say that you are limiting yourself by wanting to have debt forgiveness. I mean, who doesn't want their debt to be forgiven? And you might love working in nonprofit. You might be passionate about your career and your your current income, but it's something to think about, right? Are you only doing X, Y, Z because of the hope of debt? forgiveness, knowing that your interest is capitalizing, the whole balance is growing and you don't even really want to be (laughs) in this place. It's just food for thought for people who are of that mindset of I'm going to wait the 10 years or X amount of time to get debt forgiveness. 
That's so true. And you're at the liberty of other people, right? Like Mm. you're not even making decisions or empowered to make decisions for yourself because you're at the liberty of all these circumstances, right? And that's where I was. I was staying, you know, in that nonprofit field because I had to, right? Not necessarily just because I wanted to. And so it's like, for me, it's just been this, it's, personal finance journey has not just been, you know, a debt freedom journey. It's been an empowerment journey for me. Yeah. I love that. So let's get into the nitty gritty of what you did to pay off your debt and specific things. And I would love for you to start out by giving us context. If you don't mind sharing what your income was during this time that you were paying off the debt over the three years, you and your husband's. And, you know, if we take three, 150 key and divided by three, that's $50,000 a year. That's more than some people's full-time salary. Yes. <laughs> and even if you're earning more after taxes, you know, <laughs> even if you're earning a hundred thousand after taxes, you're not left with a little, with, with much after you pay off 50 K a year. So Share what your income was and then talk us through some of the specific things, like the intentional things that you did to make that 50K a year or however you paid it off. You can tell us your timeline. How did you make it work? And I love that you said intentional because that's literally like my favorite phrase in life because this journey was incredibly intentional. So prior to getting married, I sat my husband down and I just said, you know, I really want us to work towards our personal finances. Like, what are our goals? What do we want to achieve? How do we envision envision our lives? And that was really critical to our journey because it really, I believe, kind of set our path on fire. So just mm-hmm. even having those really intentional conversations about our future, what our goals were, what our, and even in those conversations, we talked about like our weaknesses, our strengths and finances, our money stories, right? So that we can relate to one another and understand where one another might be coming from. And from there, we created a plan. I did have to convince my husband (laughs) of this student loan journey as well. And I had to start by creating a plan. So, because he didn't also think that it was possible. Like he was like, probably thought I was crazy. And I think that's the majority of people. Like it's just so much debt that you can't even wrap your mind around paying it off or ever. It's overwhelming. It is, you know. Think about 150000 thousand dollars. Yes. A lot of money. And it's all perspective because depending on your income and your financial circumstances, that 150 could be like 5 million to one person. And it could not feel like that much to another person. Right. It's all about perspective. $10,000 can feel like a million dollars. Right. Depending on your financial circumstances. Yes. And our financial circumstance has changed. And that's what I want. And I'll, we'll talk about the income changes as well, but I don't want people to get too stuck on income just because of even myself, like seeing the change. And it's about making the deliberate steps that you need to do that help you also build the momentum that you mm-hmm. need to pay off the debt. Cause that's exactly what happened to us. So when we started the debt journey, I want to say I was making around $50,000 okay. and my husband, I think he was maybe at like six sixty. And so then our first year of marriage, our goals. And like, when I say intentional, like we were intentionally planning. So like I broke down what 
from, you know, here's our income, here are all of our expenses, and then this is what we have left over. Like, what can we do with this amount of money? And even my $131,000 debt, it, there was never the intention of paying that off in 14 months, which is what we ended up doing. I thought that was going to be a four-year journey. But like I said, we ended up building momentum as we went through. And when I say intention, we weren't even intentional about our income. Like we knew that we wanted to increase our income because, you know, it's not fair to say that it's a hundred percent that it's not all about, you know, the money because the money does help build the wealth. Right. So it's working on things at the same time, managing your expenses and then trying to increase your capacity. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we were literally doing. And so we ended up, I think then my 50,000, I think I got a 5k promotion. Right. (laughs) And then I got, I got out of nonprofit our third year. And that's when we were paying the last bit of debt off. And then my income went to 119,000. Wow. It's a significant jump. Right. But even Mm -hmm. with that, you know, like the 50,000 and combined income, we were able to, our first year of marriage, we saved I think it was like $30,000 of an emergency fund for like a year. And then we paid my husband's car note off. And then the second year we ended up paying off his student loans. We also invested in real estate. And then the third year we ended up paying off the full $131,000 in 14 months. Hey everyone, so I wanted to come on here really quickly to share some amazing news with you. My fourth book drops this summer on July 6th, 2022, and I am beyond excited. The book is titled Choosing to Prosper, Triumphing Over Adversity, Breaking Out of Comfort Zones, Achieving Your Life and Money Dreams. And it is different from my last three books in that it is very personal. However, it was an extremely important book for me to write. I talk about my imposter syndrome, my family and upbringing, my mental health challenges, my past career and relationship challenges, building resilience, building Clever Girl Finance as a business of impact, achieving my financial and personal dreams, and much more. And based on my experiences, I share ways in which women in general and women of color can overcome the challenges they face when it comes to finances, career, and business. I share how women can build successful careers and or profitable and flexible businesses depending on your chosen path. And I also share the strategies that help me achieve success and how you can leverage them in your life as well. My hope for the women who read this book is that you are challenged to be confident, to find your voice, and to realize the personal growth you desire for yourself, regardless of what's stacked against you. My new book, Choosing to Prosper, is available for pre-order today in audio, ebook, and physical book formats wherever you buy your books. I cannot wait for July 6th. Okay, let's get back to the episode. That's incredible. And, you know... You were intentional about shifting away from nonprofit to increase your income so that you could start paying off your debt rate. So you started out making 50K. Your husband was making 60K. That's about 110. Factor in taxes. Right. <laughs> We're talking about 60, 70K here. Okay. Yeah. And you still paid off a significant amount of debt in that first year. You got your raise. You saved. Did your husband's income also change? His income did change. So then he went from 60 to 80 to 100. Okay. Okay. So you guys were making about 200K and then you paid off, you saved $30,000 and then you paid off 
131, his car note. That is still, you guys, I'm doing the math here in that 15 months. (laughs) (laughs) That's still you guys living on like 40K. (laughs) Why do you focus on paying off your debt? So that is huge because not many people will have a $200,000 household income and choose to live on $40,000 so that they can put 70% of it towards debt, right? And we're talking about factoring in taxes here as well. So that's incredible. That's, you know, And again, like you said, it's about being intentional. You were intentional about increasing your income. And that's something that we all want to do. We want to make more money, not just so that we can buy things, but so that we can pursue our goals. And your big goal was debt freedom. So that's incredible. Congratulations. And also, thank you for sharing that. No. And you know, one thing I'll say about the income, it kind of happened on accident. And one thing that's also really important, I think, especially for minorities and women, is I actually ended up finding out that I was inequitably paid by a lot of money. And so what I ended up doing is I, you know, I took that, I created like a whole portfolio (laughs) showcasing the evidence and the market value and the internal value and the things that I knew. And that was the push that I needed to fight for myself. Right. You know, just realizing that. And I think that a lot of us are in that position of, just not having equitable pay. And that is such a loss. Like if you think about the earning loss over a lifetime of inequitable pay, you know, the things that you could have done with that money, whether it's, Mm -hmm. you know, take your kids to make sure your kid's college fund is established or paying off debt or saving, right? Like that's lost income. Mm -hmm. And that's why uh, it's so important for us to pay attention to that too. That is a gem. So for those of you listening, if there is one thing you take away from this, in addition to being motivated to go pay off your debt is get out your spreadsheet, go on glassdoor.com, go on payskill.com and compare your income to average income in your region, your city, your state, and see where you land for your job, your skill set, your education, and determine if you are being underpaid. And if you are, what are you going to do about it? You're going to talk to your boss about it. You're going to ask for a raise. You're going to start looking for a better paying job because you need to do something. I challenge you guys to do that, especially like you said, women of color, minorities being paid, you know, lower, you know, and there are statistics that support this. So that's one thing I want everyone who's listening to this. If you, if it's just a question mark in your head about, am I being paid what I'm worth? I want you to take the time and go do your research. So you guys were definitely being very frugal. I'm sure you were not taking big trips, going out to eat all those kinds of fancy things to be able to dedicate a significant amount of your income for those 14 months to pay off that 131K, right? But how did you manage self-discipline? Because again, this is not anything that you had to do. There was no rule. There was no law. There was no punishment. (laughs) You know, nobody asked you to do this. (laughs) Exactly. You could have done whatever you wanted. You just got to, your income pretty much doubled, right? How did you manage the self-discipline to stay focused, especially during those 14 months to aggressively pursue paying off that debt? Yeah, we could have chose vibes every time, (laughs) but, but, you know, and sometimes we did. And I really, so one, having a budget helped us stay on track. Like, like I can't, that is the foundational tool of personal finances. And so I think if you don't think that you need a budget, I think that everyone should reevaluate that even in the capacity of like, I was working on my personal finances prior to getting married and 
I didn't have a budget. Like I was just randomly saving. And when I instilled a budget, I ended up saving double what I was saving mm-hmm. just by instilling a budget. So that was like the first thing. We also u- utilize cash envelopes. I am actually a spender. <laughs> like <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, like certain, like I'm really, it's weird because like I'm frugal in a lot of ways, but in some things like I do like to spend. And so for us, like we implemented cash envelope systems for some of those things that were a little bit harder to keep on, on track or, you know, just to have like discipline in. And so I think that really helped us. And just because like, you know, if something's a weakness, it's about the systems that help you get there. And so we really, I feel like we're really intentional about establishing systems along the way that helped us reach our goals. I love James Clear, Atomic Habits, and he has this quote Mm -hmm. of, you do not rise to the level of your goals, you fail to the level of your systems, you know, and those systems help you create habits, right? Because like, once you start doing it, like when I say, like, we built the momentum, you really do end up building the momentum. And then it just becomes second nature. It's not a chore. We weren't looking at our budget sheets every day. I think people believe that, but that's so far from the truth. Then one thing I will say is like, I don't feel like we had a frugal lifestyle at all. And that might surprise a lot of people. But what ended up happening is like, we just implemented a value-based budget. And for us, that means we made room for the things that we really valued. And for us, travel was a value. So we yeah, like we had a travel budget because otherwise then it becomes kind of like a diet, right? And nobody stays to a diet. Nope. Like it's unrealistic. You're not having any fun. And so like we traveled and leave the country every year and we really enjoy ourselves because that's something we value. Now we don't value some, you know, like personal material possessions. Like we don't need a new car every year, you know, so those types of things really limited and then really worked and focused on the things that we value. I love that. And the quote that you made from the Atomic Habits, you fail because of your systems, right? Not having a budget. And when people tell me they don't have time to budget, I don't have time to budget. Me, Bola, I don't have time to budget, but I still budget. And I just create a budget that works for the time limitations that I have, right? So I'm not doing a zero-based budget where I track every penny down to the dollar. Instead, I'm doing the budget where I make sure that my bills are paid, my goals yeah. are allocated to, and then the rest of it is I'm not going to budget what I bought bubble gum, how much I spent on bubble gum and how much I spent on right. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> cookies. I'm not budgeting that, but everything else, best believe there is a plan for that money to go to savings to investments, to five to nine B, whatever. And to make sure the light bill, the water bill, all those things are paid. So paid. you can create a budget system. There's no rule that says you have to use this budget. You talked about cash envelopes. You may not have time to go to the ATM to get cash, fine. Create a system that's easy for you to do based on your time. Because what you said is so key. You need to have a plan for your money. And you were able to save twice as much because you simply started budgeting. It wasn't mental math. It was a clear plan. And this is what this dollar has to do. That is so important. People get overwhelmed by budgeting because they think it's punishment, it's restriction, it's too much. You know, financial experts say that you have to budget in this way. There's no way you need to budget the way, there's no one way. The best way to budget is the way that works for you. Bottom line is you need to have a plan where you tell your money what to do every single day. Yes, every single. And you know, I was, and I think that at that point in time, I was making, I want to say 44,000. 
and I was like saving $500 of it. And that I then started saving like a thousand dollars on that income. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, and I think some people say like, I would never be able to save that much, you know, but you know, and that's why like budgeting is so important. And also like making sure that you're very intentional and it's not just about always about income, right? It's about just taking the steps, right? Yes. And one reminder I want to give folks listening is that, you know, you were able to do this in three years, your total debt. And when you're thinking about being super intentional, being super frugal, prioritizing very strategically where you spend your money, this is not a permanent life change, right? You do it for those three years. And then the next thing you do is shift and start saving and living your best life and, you know, building your wealth. So the process, the journey to accelerating your debt payoff while where you're putting all this money towards your debt if you are intentional about it, it is not a forever thing. It'll take time and it might be painful to limit yourself to achieve that debt freedom. But again, you're not going to be paying off debt until you die. If you have a strategic plan and you're intentional about, okay, what can I limit here? Right. And how can I increase my income there? And then take the money that I'm saving and use it to accelerate my debt payoff. And so one of the things I want to ask you now that you're on the other side of paying off your debt, right? You have all this freed up money. Yes. (laughs) What are you doing with this money? (laughs) That's a great question. So we, we, I believe, and I, everything that you said is, was so spot on. I believe that we all are in different seasons in our life. Right. And so we were definitely in a season of just like saving, of paying down debt. And I would say we are now entering into our next season in our life, which is our growth season, right? Mm -hmm. My, our vision is is financial freedom. So that means building wealth and that means investing more. And that means building more real estate. We started, we invested in real estate early on in our marriage and we plan to continue to do that. We have invested in businesses. And so it just, at this point in time, it allows us the freedom and flexibility to really invest in the things that we love. And also to, again, just continue to be intentional about decisions that will get us to where we want to be. I love it. Investing, growing your money, building long-term wealth. There is no reason for you not to, because you don't have to pay any creditor or student loan provider any more of your money. Now it's time to accelerate you know, savings and you can catch up on those three years because all you're doing with your extra money is saving and investing. So this is so great. I love your story. I love what you guys have accomplished and your future is super bright. And I would love for you to share with anyone who's listening to this, who's looking for encouragement, just your words of advice, anything that helped you during your journey and how you're staying focused and committed to your long-term goals. Yeah. So one thing I will say is Every action you take is a vote for the person you wish to become. And another thing I took away from Atomic Habits, and I remember early on, I have a mentor and he told me in my field in public health, and he told me, study the person that you want to be. And, you know, at that time for me, career-wise, he was telling me to look at that person. What is it that their job title is? And then look at that job title and see what the requirements are to be that person and to get into that role. And that was really profound for me because that means I then learned from that, like, okay, I need three more years of job experience. Oh, I might need to get this. That's actually why I went to get my master's. 
Like, okay, because these type of jobs are requiring that. And that's, again, that like intentionality, right? And so it's the same way. I think that people are like focus on, you know, the 14 months. And that's a great thing that this loan was paid off of in. But you can see like the deliberate actions from the beginning and the starting small, right? Like Mm -hmm. it was $8,000 of debt the first year. And then it was $12,000. And obviously the $131,000 is a huge amount, but it's about taking those. It's just about small steps that lead you to your goals. And it's just about, it's more about starting than anything. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Corazon, for sharing that. Before you go, like with every guest, you have to tell us what is your clever girl superpower? My clever girl super I love this question. <laughs> my, my clever girl superpower would probably be operations. <laughs> if you can't tell, like I love planning, I love systems. So like that's also like what I do. Like I love building systems for other people, like when with their finances to, you know, whip it up in shape. And so, and because that's what I implement in my own life. It's what I do at work really mm-hmm. well. Like I built I build programs from scratch. So I can kind of I'm really good at operations management, tools building, systems building. And so I definitely say, and planning, obviously, (laughs) but I would definitely say that is my superpower. Amazing. I love that. I mean, systems are how you win, right? Yes. (laughs) How you you make progress. It's like all of our lives, we're in systems, right? Like the things in our jobs, like there's so many systems around that, our lives, our schedules. Like, so there, we're in, everything, you know, operates off of systems. And so if you can manage and learn systems, I think that you can go very far. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And please tell everyone how to keep in touch with you, how to learn more about your business and what services you offer. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram, on Facebook, and on TikTok at Corazon Akini Finance. That's C-O-R-A-Z-O-N. A-K-I-N-Y-I finance. And my website is corazonakini.com. And there you can find some just free budget templates, join my listserv. I also have some courses and again, tools and systems because I love building those for people as well. And we'll be sure to have those links in the show notes so you guys can find them. Thank you so much, Corazon, for spending Thank your you time so with me. Much. And congratulations again. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This is great. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.